Welcome to the Pro Wrestling For You podcast. Snap, crackle and cheap pops. And here's your host, Mr. Phil Woodvine. That's right, podcast fans. It's yet another bloody episode of Snap, Crackle and Cheap Pops, the Pro Wrestling For You podcast. And on today's show, which is episode 43, I've got someone that's quite literally seen it all in Pro Wrestling For You. He's been with us since 2013. He's been mainly at the DJ booth at the back of the room observing absolutely everything that goes on. But he has had a little glimpse uh, into the ring. I might rephrase that one. <laughs> He's had a little debut in the... No, again, anything else is just going to sound a bit dirty. So please allow me to introduce you to the show. Is the person fuse roadie extraordinaire, Christopher Moneypenny, Justin Hawkins, if you're buying from Wish.com, Strawn. Chris, how the devil are you doing? I'm very well, mate. Thank you for that um, sterling introduction. <laughs> uh, I'm going to let people know that earlier on today, I, uh, we took Chris to a gym in, uh, in in Chesterton called Old School Gyms. It was myself, Gabriel Lee and Chris. It was about 30 degrees, maybe a bit more inside the building. The building is sweltering. We had at one point, because Gabriel Lee looks a bit like a young Justin Timberlake when he had his noodle blonde hair. I've been told to look a bit like uh, Robin Fick. Chris looks a bit like Justin Hawkins at the Darnest. We look like the crappiest boy band in any gym going in Staffordshire. But you know what? I, I was very happy with, with your progress, so I've got to give you a lot of credit to this. I was going to say, we look more like the back alley boys rather than the back street boys. <laughs> or the, the, the back seat boys, perhaps. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, mm. But no, credit where credit's due, mate. Honestly, you did absolutely fantastic. But me and Gabe have already spoke, and we're like, you know what? Yeah, you, you did you did yourself proud. But for your first uh, go in, in in a gym, you, you did you, you did yourself, and you did us all very, very proud. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm so, sure I won't be thanking you tomorrow when I ache. Oh, mate. It, like, tomorrow is not going to be too bad. It's always the day after the day after. That's when the, the doms kick in that you really <laughs> want to cut your fucking arms off. But... Uh, you know what, we're starting you on a journey and it's going to get a lot more fun. So, yeah. Um, now, obviously, some people listening to this thinking, why is, it, why is we interviewing a DJ? Now, for people that don't know, Chris has been with us since 2013. Chris has seen everything the good, the bad, the ugly in Pro Wrestling View. He's been there through the good times, he's been there through the bad times. And Chris is a good marker for if I boot people. Now, what I mean by that is if I am watching everything that goes on a pro wrestling for you show so if we have you know, we book some talent they show up they come in the venue you've got the little suitcase on wheels they leave to the doors say hey Phil, how's it going cheers for the boogie and blah 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 like i am looking at how they treat chris because occasionally people that are on the um the sort of the crew of wrestling shows here you know, ring crews uh djs lighting guys sound guys um videographers photographers people like that they, they occasionally get forgotten about because like oh they're, they're not talent it doesn't matter i'll just whatever and now if if i've noticed people doing that with chris before they're just kind of like they'll walk past him as if they as if they don't know who he is and as if they don't want to say hello to him now if they do that um chances are they probably won't get fucking booked again because that does kind of indicate that they would probably do that to me if i wasn't the owner as well so, yep, just just no talent that I am always, always looking and you should thank everybody on that show because it's an entire production. None of us could do it without the rest of us. So 
thank your DJs, your videographers, your photographers, your, your ring crew. Thank absolutely everybody. Say hello to absolutely everybody because we will be watching. Yeah, and I think there's a great, um, I think it's Henry Rollins, the, the famous singer, said it years back. He put a sign backstage at a gig and basically went, if you look after your crew, they're here first, they're here last. Like, their first one's in, last one's out. Yeah, absolutely. Treat them with the respects, and you'll get the show will go well. Like, if you don't, then things may go wrong yeah. at your uh, expense because you're not treating your crew right. Exactly. I mean, like, when uh, when things fuck up, it's the crew that jumps in and saves you. Because we, as we're going to talk about when we get to this point, you know, December 2013, when the ring breaks, it's me and you that's fixing it. It's none of the talent. None of the talent came out to fix it. Yeah. It's just me and they. That's the most strokiest yeah. I've ever fucking sounded <laughs> in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but like for me, I can I can put a post on Instagram about this not too long ago. That this wasn't your dream growing up. You were in a wrestling fan growing up. This was my dream. I always wanted to be in wrestling, and I've I've ended up doing exactly what it is that I love. Now I've surrounded myself with people um, like yourself, like my, obviously my partner Katie, that weren't wrestling fans but through osmosis of sorts you've kind of become one so so we're talking early early doors you never got exposed to wrestling in any way shape or form apart from maybe catching it on you know, flicking through the channels you never had any interest at all i didn't have any interest my brother used to watch it and i was just like oh this rubbish again like it was on like it was all he watched basically and it just it was one of those things like if he's watching that I don't get to watch my cartoons or anything. Yeah. So it was sort of like a, a resentment thing more than anything. Um, so it never really took to me. Like, I just I couldn't get my head around it. There was one instance where I did watch a, a pay-per-view one on video uh, video that my mate lent me. He's like, watch this one. It's, it's dead. It's really good. I was like, I'll give it a go. And I do remember watching I can't remember which one it was. I think it was like a WrestleMania 2000 or something. And there's just one bit where Vince McMahon goes to smack someone and he misses and hits the ring at uh, the corner post. And that was that's the only thing I remember from that entire thing, because I actually remember just laughing at that bit. Besides that, I couldn't tell you what show it was, like who was on the card. Just it didn't interest me at all. So, so we, we literally created from scratch a brand new fan out of you, because now you couldn't really be any more involved if you tried. <laughs> you, you, you're... you're... Yeah. Um, you're, you're, in the, you're part of the booking, you're part of uh, creating the shows, like creating music, creating you know, the, the lighting, creating the atmosphere and all this sort of stuff. And when obviously wrestlers show up, oh, man, I've not got my music. And I'm like, go see Chris, sit with Chris and find some fucking music. So you're creating part of the show. So to go from not being a fan in any way, shape or form to creating shows, like that, that's, that's pretty fucking cool. And... I mean, there's not a lot of people that, that can say that. More often than not, if you're, if you're a wrestler in the business today, chances are you probably grew up on it, whereas you, completely from cold, you showed up at a gig one time, got told you were doing lighting for some wrestling show. You're like, ugh, it's a paid yeah. gig. I have heard the owner's a bit dodgy. Make sure we get paid in <laughs> advance. Because um, like, that's kind of how we started. So Pressing Few started 2011. We did two... You know, we did a student union, then we did a nightclub, end of year one. We did two crappy like shows in Silverdale that were just a curtain pulled over badly. And then 
we start speaking to one of the um, one of the sponsors of the shows, a guy named Chris Dawson, who owns Venom Base. She says, "Guys, come see me. I've got this. Um, uh, I, I'm, trying, I'm trying to think of the wording, like a subsidy of ours or friends of ours, or yeah, again, just like acquaintances. Like we never really worked with Venom Base much, but we knew Chris and we knew Emma. Yeah, um, well, still do." But we never really worked with them. Like we did the odd thing at Fenton Manor, like when they put gigs on there years ago. Yeah. But it wasn't really a case of like we we did stuff as a yeah. company for them. All right. So they said, um, obviously, Chris and obviously your partner, Mark, at the time, guys, we've mm-hmm. got a gig for you. And you're like, cool. What band's it for? And they're like, mm-mm-mm. not quite a band. Um <laughs> It's it's a cheeky little wrestling show out of this a cheeky little working men's club in the in a little coal mining village that nobody's ever heard of. I would have loved to have seen your face at that point when you when you got told because uh, I think been wait we're yeah. doing we're doing we're doing what now we're going to do wrestling. I think right. I just glazed over. I glazed over my eyebrow list. I was like, we're we're doing what now? <laughs> what are we getting paid for this? <laughs> So, like, so you walk into the venue. So it would have been the Silver Showdown, two thousand. So March two thousand and thirteen. Silver Showdown three. That's the one. So March the first, two thousand and thirteen. Silver Showdown three. You walk into the venue. I'm going to guess the rings up by the time you get there. Yeah, everything was up. We we turned up late in the afternoon, don't we? Because that was all we were doing with lights. Yeah, and so like that's your first exposure to a wrestling show. So when you come through those double doors, the rings right in front of you. At that point, we're using the big sixteen foot ring. What's your sort of first impressions? Because obviously you're used to band on stage, you're roadieing from either the side or the back of the room, so you get to kind of watch the band unfold. But now this is a completely different animal. What's your first thought the second you walk through that door with all the equipment in hand? What are you thinking? My first thought was just think of the money. And that's how we looked at my first thought. All right, Jerry was like, why calm down. <laughs> well, no, because like like I said, like I wasn't into wrestling at all. It was like, like I say, a little bit of resentment. So it was a case like, oh, I'm doing the thing I sort of dislike, not the most, but to a degree. Um, <laughs> and then since then, we've been, well, I've been with you ever since. So obviously you, you did something right because I wouldn't do anything else now. Well, exactly. So you've got, come along, you've walked in, you saw this wrestling. Now, I, straight from me, seeing a wrestling ring in person, it always, it always blew my mind because you'd see it on TV, but I don't know what that feels like, what that feels to, to, to bump in, to bounce in, the smell of it. Let's be honest, all that sweat soaks oh. into all the padding. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you, don't, you don't get that on TV. So I always like to see people... You see it in kids' faces. You know what I mean? When kids have their photos taken in the ring, they're like, oh, my God, I'm in a wrestling ring. Because it kind of blows their minds a little bit. So I kind of like seeing that look on, on people's faces that didn't have any kind of inclination onto this. Whereas I'm picturing yours like, ugh, why yeah. are you doing this? Who is this orange, weird, quiffed, skinny-ass guy running around with a stupid goatee at that point? <laughs> why is he telling us what to do why are we doing this who's this guy that isn't listening and he wants me to play motorhead while he does 10 laps around the ring like what is going on and we, yeah, both, and know, my other... we both know who that is as well Daniel yes. Terry's favourite wrestler <laughs> yeah 
Uh, my other thought was like I'm not quite because obviously doing band stuff like you you know where the stage how to light it you just know what you're working with straight away no matter where you're going a stage is a stage like there's yeah. only so much you can do with a wrestling show there's so much more you've got to throw into the mix so like just figuring out logistics of how to light the ring what we're doing with lights we know we've got the stage for where the the wrestlers come out but other than that we're just like okay this is not in our ballpark at all but let's see what we can do. And so was that just being completely? Because I, I mean, obviously, I wouldn't have ran you through any any cues, because yeah, I at that point, what 2013, I'd have been a promoter for two years. Like who the fuck, who the fuck am I? You, you guys, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, were the the, the technical wizards. So if any, if anyone was listening to anyone else, it would have been me listening to you. And maybe had some. It wasn't smoke machines; they were vapor machines. Is that right? Yeah, geezers. Um, so they were yeah. LED LED. Essentially, smoke. They are, they, they, yeah, vapor machines. It was essentially a smoke machine with a light around where the smoke came out, but it was it used water vapor. So in theory, it wasn't meant to set off uh, smoke alarms. Because I obviously you're kind of tucked into the uh, the entrance where you're doing all your bits. You're hearing all these different you know, kinds of music, whether, whether it's uh, people using rock music or they're using dance music and all this sort of stuff. And are you just completely improvising? You just think, oh, fuck it, let's just just play yeah. some bits, keep it colourful, keep it lit. And that, that's not me trying to be down with the kids, by the way, by saying keeping it lit. I'm just going <laughs> to put that out there. But you know what I mean? Just like just filling in the lights where you need it to. That's just you improv mode of Mark's at the back of the room doing some bits. I'm on the stage tucked away in a little cubby hole. Fuck it, let's just wing it. Yeah, so basically what I was doing, like me and Mark would work it so that he could he knew what was going to happen once I kicked the lights in from the stage because I'd be like I said I'd be behind the curtain seeing the wrestlers ready to come out and he'd be out at the but where, where I stand now essentially and he'd have no idea who's going to come out at what time apart from the DJ's cue and I was like right if I hit the hit the lights and follow the rhythm of the music because music's pretty easy to follow once you've got like yeah. the idea of what the song is just go with the rhythm and just and then once he knows and the lights have kicked in, he knows when to set the geezers off and a laser and all that sort of stuff. Okay, I, I assumed you had control over the geezers, I'll be honest. I thought that was you. No, that was all, Mark. Oh, okay. I know, all um, I did was the flashy lights. Oh, okay. Because I know on, I think it's the show after this, I want to see Silver Showdown 4, he had some laser from the back of the room that was projecting the names of the wrestlers on the ceiling. Yeah, please, please shoot me down if I'm wrong about this. Like I've got it in my head, it was the second show, and I thought that was the coolest thing in the world until I realised he didn't know a lot of the wrestlers' names, so he's kind of just <laughs> best yeah. guessed it. And so you kind of like, luckily or unluckily, depending on how you look at this, a lot of this footage got corrupted, so we've not actually got this show. Um, like anywhere, there's a few pictures, there's a few clips and snippets, but realistically, there's not all that much of this. But yeah. That was, that was just... Yeah, Mark had the laptop with the laser plugged into that and he got a remote for the geezers because they were like, it was it was the weirdest little remote. It was like something off James Bond. It looked like a detonation switch. Um, but that's where he used to control the geezers and all the laser would go through the laptop. So he'd just type in what he needs and then that'd be it. But oh, okay, you, couldn't okay. the, you could see the laser when it hit the wall or the ceiling. We, what, what we would have liked to have done if like we didn't have a smoke machine, hit smoke... Uh, detectors in the venue is we would have it so you can see the laser going over the audience 
But that uh, would need a, a thin layer of you'd need a thin layer of smoke over the audience to do that, and it would cut out. You'd you'd have poor visibility for your cameras, and it'd be another logistical yeah. nightmare. Yeah. So for anyone listening to this, we we are probably going to get very very techy during during this because this is what Chris does absolutely fucking best. <laughs> you know what I mean? So this is. So if you're listening and we use some words that you don't understand, then we apologise, but it's very, very important stuff of how you create a show, create an atmosphere, create a vibe, create an aura, call it whatever you want to call it. But this, you know, this is this is stuff that we sit around hours before the, we open the doors and we create this. You know, we, we create, uh, you know, like colours of entrance ways and certain music, certain tempos, certain times to cut music in, certain times to, to cut music off. Geordie Stew is probably the best example of that. We, we, you, know, you want that perfect 10, 11 seconds that it drops down to a lower third. We have to make sure that the that Geordie Stew can talk over the music still. All these bits and pieces, which is what kind of Chris specialises in. So um, anyone that comes... And even then, I'm not, a, I'm not professionally trained or anything. All I did was just start learning it myself. So there is guys out there that know this far better than I do. I don't claim to be like a tech wizard or anything. I'm just self-taught. I can do little bits, and what we, what I can do, works for the shows. So there is guys out there that would do it a lot better. You, you're not selling yourself terribly well this time, dude. I'm just going to put that one out. No, I'm, I'm being honest. Like there is guys out there that that would be listening to this and be like, "Oh, he's talking about this." I don't know the actual technical names for it, so I just know this thing does the job that I need to do. Uh, <laughs> You know, that's person few in a nutshell. We, you know what? We don't know what the fuck we're doing. We're just going to wing it. That's that, that's that's how it is. You could apply that to me. No one ever taught me how to be a promoter. I've just had to learn on the fly and correct our mistakes and kind of go from there. No one teaches you how to do that stuff. And wrestling is the best form of improvisation, despite people saying it's fixed and pre-planned and fake and all that sort of stuff. Wrestling's a lot more improvised than anyone would ever give you credit for. And that goes for all course, aspects yeah. of the business, you know, from, from your end at the back of the room doing the technical stuff and so on and so forth. So we kind of, we do sell a showdown free. You do the gig, you get paid. Um, obviously, you, you wouldn't have come out for a drink at the end of that show because you would have to you get back to, I think you were living in Leek at the time, something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. and Mark lived up in the Froggle Bank, so that was another yeah. trek for him. So the show's the show's finished. You you get done. You've met all these weird people backstage that smell of fake tan and protein trumps and all this sort of stuff. Are, are you and Mark sat in the the car, sat in the van, going home talking about this? And if if you if you were, what kind of like comments would you have been saying? Do you reckon? Because I'm guessing Mark was, was never a wrestling fan either. Oh yeah, same exact same as me, mate. Like we were just like, oh, it's it's a, it's, a, it's a, something interesting for us to do. It's it, Test our skill set, see what we can do differently. Yeah. Um, but on the drive back, we're like, that was actually a lot more fun than we expected. Like, we really did enjoy it. Like, we we actually said on the way back, and I don't think I've ever told you this. Like, we said we'd do it for we've done it for free because of how much we enjoyed it. God damn it! <laughs> but we'll take the money, mate. So you know, <laughs> mate. To be fair, the owner of Venom Base would never in a million years let you to. Uh, to, even, even if they had like no control over it, there's no way they'd let you do that for free. Because uh, no, he's uh, I've, I've, yeah, I've heard some stories about what he's like with money. He's very, uh, he's, he can be quite penny pinching at times. My, my barber tells a very good story, but I'm not going to tell that. Uh, tell that on there. <laughs> so we do sell our show down free. Fuck, it, I'm going to tell it. 
he, the owner made the, my barber get him a bag of chips. The bag of chips cost £1.40. He gave him £1.50 and he waited for the 10p back like and demanded this 10p back. You're like, mate, if someone's just done you a favour, picked you up some chips, have you paid for it or not? Let him keep the goddamn yeah. 10p. Moving on. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> so... We, we do that show, it's it's March 2013, we do Silver Showdown 4 with the laser putting people's wrong names on the ceiling, but there's no footage of that. And you've kind of got your feet under the table a little bit. We're seeing each other at some Jesse's Divide shows, which is where we would have kind of saw each other in between these wrestling shows. Um, I remember me, this, I have no idea to this day if you'd ever remember this. I saw you in town one night, one afternoon, we were walking through town, down the it's called the walk in newcastle where wilco's and all those kind of shops are we're walking down it's me and my girlfriend at the time i think you were walking up with who had been your girlfriend at the time and we instinctively went into show day mode hey mate nice to see you nice to see you and do the show day handshake there's no hug there's no um friendly insultive banter it was just straight up show day (laughs) and then got to go see you later i'll see you the next show yeah cool cool and then completely out of show day mode and back into talking to my girlfriend she was like what the fuck has just happened you've just become two two different people in the space of two minutes i'm like i I don't know i'm I'm just used to show day i can't help it yeah that's very weird so we we get through showdown full and i think that's it's fairly uneventful you see a good show Uh, it is what it is we get to showdown five now this is December 2013. I know we've talked about this back at the archives a little bit, so we will, we will go into it a little bit, but not too much. The ring breaks. So now this is what we said at the start of the show. Now it's a six-match card. The third and it was three matches interval, then three matches again. And on the third match of the first half, the ring breaks. So. Me and Chris are looking at each other. Chris is still part of the on the stage. He's not in the back of the room yet. Me and Chris are looking at each other. We know the ring is knackered. Didn't help having Alex Cyanide in the ring. He's a good 32 and a half stone. But we live and learn. So we the interval comes up next. Me and Chris are the only people that dive under that ring. So this just goes to show how much um, your crew, your roadies, mean to the show it's me and chris under that ring it's none of the talent it's not the referee it's not the videographer the photographer it's me and chris and we're trying to size up what the fuck do we do how bad is this do we need to cancel the second half of the show and send everyone home and at that point we'd have to pay everyone their their money back like it was i remember being such a difficult like what the fuck do we do at this point um, it was a proper touch cloth moment, I'll be honest, mate. I was like, it was my what, third or fourth show with you at that point? Yeah, yeah, this would have been like your third show. I think we would have seen each other at maybe two or three Jesse's gigs, and I would have saw you in passing maybe once or twice as well. So a, hand, a good handful of times. Yeah. Um, but this just, I think this just shows your your character as well, that you're just, you're willing to just get stuck in. You, you weren't at the back of the room. You didn't, you weren't waiting for me to say, Chris, come out me. You were already there. When you know yeah, the wrestlers, when even the, the sign, you just you just crack on. Is that me and you were the two lightest people on that roster, <laughs> and no yeah. no bugger no bugger came out to help us. Well, not even the guys who were on the ring, like yeah. If, not... if, 
yeah, if people have listened to the uh, this episode in, in the archive, you know, we, we didn't have the best of things to say about them, because... No. <laughs> yeah. mm. So we, we, we're going like, to gloss over that bit. So we get through Sword of Showdown 5, and we get we get a better ring. Uh, Showdown 6 goes off without, without a hitch. Showdown Chev... I can't say it's too many S's. So I can't do it. Showdown 7 goes through perfectly fine. Uh, showdown eight, and this is where things kind of go off the tracks a little bit. We were due to do, um, I think we'd moved from Silverdale because we did three shows in 2014. Okay, we're going to open up a new venue. We had the Holy Trinity Community Center on board. Um, Chris had been, I think you, you, you that pitched me to have Jesse's Divide on board. Um, yeah. we're like, oh, you know what, that's cool, we've got a big stage. We can do a bit of rock and wrestling. It would have been a Friday night at the Holy Trinity at that point. And then something that neither of us had planned for came about. Your partner in Blackout just on, on a whim decides to sell up, sell all the equipment, the geezers, the lighting, the, the, the smokes, the mics, pretty much all the equipment just, boom, just up and sells it without yeah. really letting us know, without really letting you know. Yeah, we've got like a lot of events booked, um, including my auntie's wedding at the time. And I like, got Ouch. the lights all ready for that. Yeah. Um, your show was like a week away. Uh, and I just texted him like, oh, what's the crack for show day? He's like, oh, about that. Uh, I sold the gear. I was like, yeah, good one, mate. Like, funny joke. Uh, what are we doing though? He's like, no, I actually legitimately sold all the gear. Um, he sold it to the, so if you go to the Freebird before it closes, uh, the Freebird has the the geezers and the lighting that were blackouts. Ah, okay, okay. I mean, like that's it's like you'd kind of got your feet under the table with us. We kind of got our feet under the table with yourselves. We had a good relationship there. We'd see each other at you know, Jesse Divide gigs. We'd have a pint, say hello, have a good times, and then that just yeah. kind of it, I think at the time it kind of felt. Like it kind of ripped the heart out of, out, out of both of us. Me from more business, well, more from a sort of business standpoint, but you more from a more personal standpoint. And yeah. I, 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 know, I know I've told this story before, but you rang me, said, mate, I need to speak to you. Yeah, no problem. I'm walking up Bassford Bank here in Castle. You rang me and you said, this is what's happened. Can't really get in contact with him. He sold all the equipment. He's just kind of gone AWOL for the most part. I there's no equipment. Jesse's divide has got some, but realistically, we've not got gear, you know, the geezers, all this lighting, all these bits and pieces. I am so sorry. I'm so fucking sorry. And even though it was letting us down because it was our show, you were so apologetic. I'm like, mate, don't worry about it. Like it, this, for me, it's business. For you, it's personal. Yeah, we, I feel sorry for you because your mates let you down. Yeah, he's your partner in there, so. I still remember, just still remember that phone call, like Cleaver's day, just thinking, "Fucking hell!" Like that showed me how much you had invested in us. Yeah, for me, it was a case of like you've set up Kilo Hue to be how it was at the time. Like we've got this big professional light show, and I wanted that like, to continue because, like, you once you've established something like that, you don't want to lose that momentum or traction with that sort of thing. But then to have the lights ripped literally from us in the close sense of the word um 
I just felt like it was a as a spectator or as someone who would be watching like oh last time we had this big show and now it's not so I was like more worried about you for that yeah I think had it been a Silverdale show coming up I think it would have hit me a bit more but with it being a brand new venue it, yeah. It, it, yeah it was more we, we get a clean slate so if this venue is known for having a band rather than lighting then that's just what we do so for me I, I probably I, let's be honest I'm a promoter I probably went oh that saved me a bit of money it's <laughs> <Yeah>. as <laughs> uh, bad as that is to say but you know what I mean like you turn every negative into a positive you know, okay well yeah we'll save some money don't worry about it you've said Jesse Divide I've got some lighting and Let's be honest, and I'll give absolute huge, huge pops to Jesse Divide for this. Like they, they, they had a couple bits of lighting, but what they did for that show was just absolutely fantastic. They made it so like nobody was missing the, the lighting grids and the geezers. It would have been lovely to have, to have had them, but they filled that gap so, so well. So I do want to give a massive, massive shout out to Cy, to Robert, to Nick of Jesse Divide, because they, they did an absolutely sterling show. Yeah, without a doubt. Like, if you hadn't have had them to fill in that bit, it would have... I don't know. It, I think with the, how big the stage is there and what space you've got to use there, um, having something there makes it more of a show. If you just have a big empty space, then it's a bit... Yeah. Sort of wasted, isn't it, really? Yeah, because we, when we, we moved the Holy Trinity shows a bit later on into doing Sunday afternoons, we didn't have a band on stage. Yeah, it does kind of feel a bit... It's nice to have a big stage to walk out onto, but it does feel a bit like, mm, too much too much room. We just need to fill yeah. it with, some, with something, anything. You know? Too much empty space. Yeah, exactly. Um, so obviously that, that kind of rounds off 2014. Blackout is no longer a thing, but you're progressing for you. There's no two ways about it. Like we've got hold of you. Um you're 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 on the team. There's there's no way it's not a case of, oh, this is a business thing. There's no Chris is part of progressing for you now. He's not black he's not a blackout guy that we hire in every couple of months. He's um he's taking you know, taking on responsibility. So God, God help you with yeah. a chance of ever getting away from, from me or person if you. God help you, Chris. <laughs> you poor sod. I know. But you're not, you're not going to thank me just yet because I've got to my first game show segment of the day for you. Um, oh, I God. think, yep. And I was trying to think, what can I do? What can I do? I had a few different ideas, a few different puns on your name and all this sort of stuff. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do some snog Mario voice. I've got four rounds for you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you, there's, there's a pattern, or at least a, yeah, we'll say pattern, to why I've picked these sort of three people in each round. So your first round is your uh, odds and ends. So snog Mario Void, Daniel Terry, Babyface Pitbull, head referee Tony Barrett. Uh... Snog, Mr. Barrett. Of course. He's, he's very wholesome and very handsome. Yeah, he's a, he's a sexy boy. Um, <laughs> marry, marry Dan. Sexy boy. I can't do it. <laughs> oh, yeah, marry Dan. And avoid Mr. <laughs> my my favourite wrestler as well. 
I've, I've got some little notes on this, by the way. I've, I've uh, predicted where, where you go on that one. I'm 100% accurate. Round number yeah. two is the, the ladies of first of you. So you've got Kim Rocks, Anna Pat, or Kit Kat Katie. Uh, avoid Katie. <laughs> She's going to love this when she listens to this. <laughs> I know. Um, snog Anna, marry Kim. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100% accurate. Um, your toy boy round, Jack Nudson, Benjamin Harland, Gabriel Lee. Ooh. <laughs> Avoid Mr. Nudson. Because he looks like Macaulay uh, Culkin or the, the Milky Bar Kid or... Well, we've just got this little rapport, haven't we, backstage where we keep starting to beat seven bells out of each other. Wow, that'll be the, the, the weakest fight I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> like two wet lettuces going at each other. So um, avoid Nudson, you've got Benjamin Harland, Gabriel Lee. Uh, marry Ben and snog Gabriel Lee. Yeah, Ben's, Ben's very wholesome. He's one, he's one of those guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, 100% accurate again. And last but not least, round number four, it's the bold round. Ryan Myatt, Fifi Paul James, Keith Myatt. <laughs> uh, ooh. It's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I, I really don't know. Avoid Ryan. Okay, I've, I've got that one wrong right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, so you've got Paul James and Keith Myatt. Yeah, I got that yeah. right. Marry Keith and Snog uh, DPJ. I mean, like, to be fair, if you snog PBJ, he might try and pin you and count that as one of his wins. <laughs> what, what is he, zero, why, zero for ten currently? Yeah, that's why I wouldn't marry him, because it would be, like, every day, like, wake up in bed and he's trying to pin me. Sorry about that. <laughs> this podcast has taken a very, very weird turn. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that is, yeah it's, it, it is all my fault. But yeah, I, I didn't do too bad. It's just that last round. I, yeah, I'll balls that one. Back on track, back on track. So 2015 kind of goes off without a hitch. We're smashing out shows. We're doing a bit of a mixture of Holy Trinity and Silverdale. I don't want to say an, an uneventful year, but nothing majorly that would uh, kind of upset the apple carts. Yeah. In, in, in those kind of terms. Yeah. But I've picked out some little bits and pieces. So I know we are going to cover this in a bit of a longer episode we're going to do a deep dive but we get all the way through to october 2016 at person who's lucky charm bars we got robbed before the show now not a lot of people know this story we might have talked about it and hinted about it but we've never told this story before but it did actually lead to something good so for what we actually lost it did lead to something good eventually it took his time but eventually it, uh, it, did, it did end up uh, being a good thing. So I'll give a little bit of context. The, the usual ring that we usually have for these shows, we couldn't get for this uh, show. And it was a, would have been a Sunday? Yeah, it would have been a Sunday afternoon show. We, we moved the Holy Trinity to uh, Sunday afternoons at this point. So my, yeah. myself and my partner, we hired a van and Britannia Wrestling over in uh, North Wales in Rail. They said, tell you what, you can borrow our ring, but you need to get to us. So myself and my partner, 
that Saturday afternoon, we hired a van. It took forever to find a van for whatever reason. Everyone in Staffordshire was just out hiring vans, as, as, it, uh, as it appears. We get this big transit van, two and a half hours down uh, up to North Rail. We pick the ring up. Our favourite person in the world is there, Babyface Pitbull. <laughs> hey, 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 mate, want it all in, want it in. That's my best Pitbull impression. Apparently, it's <laughs> it, it, it is what it is. We load the ring in. Obviously, it's heavy as fuck. So the journey back takes us about three hours, three and a half hours. And at this point, we're knackered. So we leave the van outside of our house. We're very conscious. There's there's a very expensive wrestling ring in the in you know, literally outside of our house. We don't want people breaking into the van. So we don't have a particularly good sleep. First thing, 10 a.m. next morning, we we just pack our stuff that we need, you know, uh, cash boxes, wireless microphones, uh, raffle stuff, all the kind of accoutrement, if you will, that we take to shows. There's me trying to sound uh, posh and uh, well read. Doesn't fucking happen. We get to the <laughs> Holy Trinity and it's about half ten. You've got me, you've got my partner, you've got Chris and you've got... Chris had kind of moved on from being a bit of a, a, the roadie slash dog's body that he calls himself. And we had a guy called Joe, who was um, yeah. the, the dog's body of Chris, the dog's body. Um, <laughs> so between the four of us, and it's, say it's half ten in the morning, we, we're all knackered. We drag the ring into the Holy Trinity. We dump it on the floor. We dump all our stuff in there. And we're like, we are absolutely starving and we need, we need food before people start getting here. Because obviously it's, it's an afternoon show. People will start arriving about 11, 12 ish, somewhere on that kind of, that kind of timeline. We say Castle Oatcakes, great oatcake shop just across the road. Let's leave all our gear here. And we went across the road, got a couple of butties and we were back in, I think it was 11 minutes. If I've got that correct. Now in those 11 minutes, some scally little bastard had walked into the venue without anyone noticing, any of the staff or the owners noticing, looped in the room, rifled through of all our possessions. And we've seen this back on the footage. We didn't get to keep the footage. The, pe the police didn't let us have that. But you see him clear as day going through the, uh, the, the, the microphone boxes, which we'd have been screwed if we didn't have any microphones. He picked up Chrissy's laptop bag, which would have really, really fucking stuffed, stuffed us up as well as costing Chris a lot of money. And <laughs> yeah. he, goes, he goes through everything. I don't know how he timed this so fucking well, whether he was waiting in the wings and just happened to pick his moment. But he luckily, and people think, why is this lucky? But he finds the cash tin. Now, the cash tin is locked, but he's got 20 quid in quids inside there's no notes. It's just 20 one pound coins. So he's got Chris's laptop. He's got my microphones, spots the cash tin, gives it a rattle. It sounds like there's a lot more in there. He thinks, you know what? Fuck trying to trade the laptop. Fuck trying to trade the microphones. Puts the cash tin inside his coat, walks out the doors. And within two minutes, we've come back with our sandwiches in hand. And we don't know anything that's gone on. We don't know anything's missing. Everything else is in place. We're not necessarily looking for a cash tin, but because we're setting the ring up, we've got people coming, so on and so forth. So it's hours after until we discover that we've been fucking robbed. Now, I, what, what do you recall about that morning? 
exactly like you just said. Like it's it was so weird that he just took the cash ten when he could have easily taken so much more. We'd have been infinitely more screwed. I, just a little cash ten of twenty quid in, like. <laughs> yeah, like the thing that, like, obviously, there's a million different scenarios that that could have happened. Some of the staff, I mean, I don't know if the staff would have necessarily knew that he wasn't part of our team, so I don't necessarily think they'd they'd. You know, jump on him and say what you're doing or any of that sort of stuff. But the fact that he picked that time in, because it was a very short 11 minutes, like the food was almost instantaneous at Castle Oatcakes. Like they have all that stuff ready to go. We were away seven minutes, sorry, 11 minutes. And he just so happened to pick that time. I want I, there's no way of us knowing, but I'd love to know was he sat watching? Because it was just yeah. one guy, it wasn't a, a team, it was some opportunist. Now, we found out later on that this, this is some local guy, he had drug issues, he was literally just looking for money to go and use for drugs. And that's not me just kind of running off on one and uh, tarring everyone with the same brush. The police verified this at a later date with us. That isn't very accurate, he was a known um guy that had been that had done this so on and so forth so the police had told us this is what he does we just needed something concrete on him and luckily the cameras at the holy trinity are brilliant we should have used those cameras to film the shows because they were bloody high super <laughs> high res they were immaculate um and in those 11 minutes he just picked his spot grabbed the money and didn't even run out just walked out Casual as anything, us four walk back, butties in hands, bit tired, we've got a brew on, we start setting the ring up, some wrestlers start showing up, and we don't know that something is missing until like 10 minutes before we open that door at two o'clock. And it's the horriblest feeling in the world of, okay, what's gone on? Have we misplaced it? Have we put it down somewhere as... One of the one of the wrestlers taking it, and that was a. I remember that being a horrible moment. That I was looking at you, you when we were looking at uh, my partner at the time, and we were looking at um, would have been Kim or Dan on that show. I I think it might have been Dan. And between the four of us and Joe, of course, like, yeah, the the dog's buddy's dog's buddy, we're looking at each other's going. We don't want to accuse anyone upstairs because obviously that's where the changing room is. But what the fuck do we do at this point? Like, we don't want to say if someone picked it up, but we kind of need to ask that question. Is anyone seeing it? Is anyone? Because you, you never know. Wrestlers are very honest. They might have just gone fucking hell. Do I want to leave this line around and taken it upstairs and put it with all of our stuff? I remember that being such a horrible moment where the four or five hours were just like, we need to really think about this. How do we approach this with the wrestlers? And we've got a we've got. You know, people lining up to come on in. Like, do, do you remember just how like tense those like 10, 15 minutes were? Yeah, it was a case of like, we've now got, to, like you say, you've got that awkward question of has anyone seen it? Has anyone taken it or put it somewhere for safekeeping or whatever? Or is it because some of the talent we like, talent is new all the time. There's always someone new at a show. Is yeah. it someone who's not properly been vetted and is on the rob? Like, yeah. Things was, you don't uh, want to think about when you don't want to ask those questions, but it's one of those things that had to happen, sadly. Yeah, because I mean, like, there's a lot of trust. I mean, like, if, you know, the wrestlers put each other's, I know it sounds cliche, but they do put their bodies in you know, their, their opponents' hands and 
Um, we, we've got all of our all of our stuff backstage, you know, our phones, our you know, keys, wallets, you know, all that sort of stuff. There's a lot of trust that goes into a wrestling show. You know, you you trust the people that you you're on with, you trust the people that you're around, all that sort of stuff. So it was. I remember that that the, that 10, 15 minutes just being vile, and also as well as trying to work out um, what do we do. If someone's got it, we, I remember asking the venue owner, I remember asking some of the bar staff, like, please let one of them have got it. It was a bright red cash tin. It stood out like a sore thumb. And we're thinking, well, what, what the fuck do we do? Because, I mean, I keep the float on me, so all the notes are in my pocket. I wouldn't ever leave that lying around. Um, so luckily, you know, the, the, the majority, the lion's share of the money that we'd need for the float and to pay for everything... That's on me. So there's only 20 quid that's gone missing. But has someone got it? And also, say, it was a Sunday afternoon show. We'd have about 150, 170, somewhere in that kind of gap. People coming in for the afternoon show. We need some money because people, I think, six quid a ticket. Obviously, people pay, are going to pay for it with the tenner. They're going to need at least four quid and change. What do we do? So as well as asking all the wrestlers upstairs, very awkward questions about have they seen it, have they taken it by mistake? And obviously, like like you said, having that horrible thought in the back of your mind that we've always had new people on the shows, there's someone underhandedly taking it. Um, they The wrestlers came through for us and said they, they were giving us handfuls of change and just say, use this for the float, like do whatever you need to do. And that was one of those moments I felt oh, worse because we'd asked them these horrible questions, and then now they're helping us out, not even checking how much change they're giving us, they're just trusting us, going, yeah, I've got maybe five, five six pounds, 50 in change, have this, sort us out, don't worry about it. And we just had to crack on with the show, we couldn't check the cameras, we couldn't do any of that stuff till after the show had finished. But I remember throughout that entire two hour of that show, just thinking, I feel like an absolute shit. Yeah, whereas I, it was like a really like a firming moment for me because I was just like, oh god, these guys are so genuine that they just want to throw money at the problem, legitimately, yeah. and just be like, right, here's what we can offer you, and the, straight away it's like camaraderie, like there's no questions asked from their part. It's like, oh shit, like let's let's make the show happen and let's do what we can. Yeah, it's, and obviously we, we couldn't do anything about it. We, we still weren't sure that it had been robbed. I think that's kind of what helped us through it, perhaps. That we okay, maybe we've we've put it down somewhere. Like maybe we didn't bring it with us. You know what I mean? Maybe it's still yeah. back at home, perhaps. Um and we got the ring loaded into the van. There's a picture of everyone loading that that ring into the van. And I sent that picture out and had a few jealous promoters messaging me going, why can't I get my fucking crew to do that? Well, <laughs> Phil, Phil cracks the whip, mate. It is what it is. Um, but we loaded the ring into the van, and I said to my partner at the time, I think we need to go, we, before we set off, because we had to drive the ring to real, like it was a fucking long day for us. Um, yeah. I said to her, you know what, let's just go see Pete, the owner. Let's just have a look at the cameras for those 10, 15 minutes that we were gone. Yeah, okay, okay. So we went back in the, in the venue. Um, saw the venue owner. He took us into this like little camera room. We found the ten minutes, and literally it was for those eleven fucking minutes, we sat and we watched super high res. We got a really good camera angle, 
and watched. And it was one of those moments where we couldn't believe what we were watching because I, I'd, I've had my house burgled before when I lived back in Silverdale. It's the family house and it's vile. When you have your house burgled, it's a vile thing knowing that someone has rifled through your possessions and deemed what they think is worth money and taking it. A horrible, horrible situation. And we're watching this guy and he doesn't seem to care. He doesn't seem to be sneaking around like a comedic burglar, like you'd imagine it, like black and white striped jumper, like the hamburglar. He was just walking around like he owned the place. Like you wouldn't know that he didn't work for us other than him looking a bit disheveled. And he goes through our possession. You see him calmly pick up mics, calmly pick up your laptop, uh, calmly pick up a few more bits and pieces, calmly sees the cash tin, puts everything else down, puts it in his coat, and just walks off clear as day. And we're just gobsmacked, absolutely gobsmacked that he didn't seem like he robbed it. He just seemed like he owned it. Maybe that's the key to robbing. I don't know. I'm not one of them kind of people. But he's a really weird moment that we're like ah oh, fuck because we obviously we accuse we didn't accuse we put the questions out there to the staff to the owners to all the wrestlers to the other crew as well because obviously me and my partner would have had to have asked you and dan and joe and yeah you know, all these all these people that that helped us so yeah it's, it was a very 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 strange moment i think i rang you while we were on the way to real to drop the ring off yeah, he did. Was, yeah, and said, mate, we've just watched the footage. This is absolutely everything that we know. And you're like, bloody hell, you blew your mind. But we still had a two and a half, three hour journey down to North Wales, dropped the ring off on our own, which you pulling the ring out piece by piece between two people sucks. Then two hours back, like it's a very, very long show, very emotional, but... This, like you said, it just showed that the, the trust in the team that everyone came through, and a lot of those wrestlers didn't even ask us or want their change back. They just got paid their wage and like, mate, don't worry about it. So again, that mm. made us feel even more like shit because they they lost out on might have only been a couple of quid, but they didn't need to do that. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but like, like you say, it's, it's all the, it's confidence, and that's why if he's, he's got away with it and he's looking like he's. He, it's just going through things and checking stuff. Looks like he's checking stuff's there. Yeah. He's going to look like one of us and he's not going to be questioned about it. That's why it's all in the conference. That's why yeah. he managed to just do it so easily. Yeah. And then obviously, I know we will go through this in sort of final form. The police needed hard evidence on this guy. I never had any. He'd, this, the police had told us he'd robbed um, old age people in the area, people in nursing homes, but no evidence and all this sort of stuff. He'd walked into Keel students' uh, dorms and, and taken stuff from students. They never had any uh, evidence until they spoke to us and they got the footage from the, the Holy Trinity, the, obviously the Holy Trinity, superb quality footage, and I think he, he got put away. So what we lost in 20 quid, um, we, we, actually, we, we did something good for, for the local community. So you know what, 20 quid, well spent. Yeah. So, so to go from something quite sad to something quite humorous. So we'd gone through a stage of opening up new venues. So we opened up Holy Trinity uh, 2014. Obviously, that's 2016. So that's kind of under our belt a little bit. 
15th of April 2017, we decided to take a little uh, detour to Bradwell. Now, I hope you know the story I'm going to tell on this because I was stood at the back of the room with yourself. We took a couple of pictures. We're like, hmm, new ceiling height, not quite what we remembered. We're not going to do yeah. this again. Let's just get through it. And I was stood, You, I just remember, you were stood to my right and Kim's dad, who was so worried about Kim because she was quite heavily pregnant at this point, he came up to me and he stood to my left. And he said, Phil, do you promise me Kim will be okay? I said, mate, I promise you she'll be fine. We've told her not get in the ring to stay on the stage so she's not getting in and out. She's not going to fall. I promise you she'll be okay. And you're to my right. And you're like, yeah, yeah, she should be sound. She'll be sound. But you're mainly concentrated on the music. And at this point, Juker walks out and squares Kim in the face <laughs> with a big fucking orange. <laughs> yeah. I can't look at her dad to my left. I can't look at you to my right because you'll make me laugh. So I'm just stood staring down center of the ring. I don't don't look at Evram, Phil. Don't look at Evram. Hopefully they'll turn away. And uh, I didn't know what to say to her dad. But Kim's dad, you're never going to listen to this, but I'm so sorry. I'm, it wasn't a planned spot. We didn't know Dukin was going to do it. It was... It was just something. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm going to blame Chris because Chris should have known about this <laughs> stuff. He's easy. Uh, uh, this falls under Chris's duties. Checking all, checking the hard <laughs> fruit. <laughs> I'm fruity enough, mate. I don't need to check fruit. But um, there it is. Um, <laughs> one part that we we have got to talk about is you were very instrumental. And we we'd secured a bit of a deal with Walkabout and Hanley. We'd gone along, we'd flyed their show, we'd watched, uh, I think it might have been a WrestleMania or Royal Rumble 2016. So yeah, it would have been WrestleMania 2016. We'd gone along, it would have been me, Chris, Kim, and a few of our team, I remember a few, a few friends, a few family, all that sort of stuff. We'd gone along, just watched the show, pissed about, handed a few wrestling leaflets out, and then we'd landed a deal with Walkabout Hanley. They said, well, rather than just coming along, do you want to come along and host a show? You can do a pre-show party. We show the pay-per-view, the main four pay-per-views from midnight onwards. Do you want to come along and host these shows? Like, okay, we don't really know what we're doing. We can't have a ring in there. So we'll just kind of wing it. So for the first show or two, I think... If I've got my times correct, so it would have been SummerSlam, the first official show that we hosted. So we've got Chris in the DJ booth, um, chucking out some free merch we found, you know, like free sunglasses, typical work uh, walkabout plunder, sunglasses, inflatable kangaroos, um, just all this kinds of shit that walkabout used to used to chuck out. And for some reason. I, I had this idea. Well, Chris looks a bit like Jesus. <laughs> and it's red hot in that venue at that point. And they were kind of goading us to do whatever the hell we want. So I was like, you know what? We're just going to go for it. So I talked Chris into being um, somewhat of, of iced Jesus. We, we got a couple of girls up on stage Chris stood 
with his arms out, just like Christ the Redeemer, if you know what that statue is, folks. And we played Iced Quit, the Iced Quit match. So these girls took it in turn to place ice cubes in and about your person. Do you happen to, is this fond memories for you, Chris? <laughs> Not at all, mate, because I then had very wet and cold pants for the rest of the night. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was a red hot venue. You'd showed up in Jeremy Clarkson-esque light blue jeans, which just with a cherry on the cake, it couldn't have been planned any better. And I did tell you beforehand, I remember giving you a clue. I didn't tell you everything, but I did remember asking, are you okay if you get a bit wet? And you went, yeah. I was like, cool. That's all I need <laughs> to know. You've signed your life away. This is what we're going to fucking do. Yeah. So, uh, did you happen to remember some of the places these uh, these, these uh, two girls, Saz and Sen, were placing these ice cubes? Yeah, down the front of my pants, down my T-shirt. The one that really bothered me most, which strangely enough is the one place you'd expect to put ice, was in my mouth. Because I've got sensitive teeth. Like, I really don't like ice in my mouth. And I almost, like, I almost said I quit at that point. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm powering through. Um, that was the bit that bothered me. Like, it was everywhere else. It was, I was, it was poured over me in places I never want to find ice ever again. Um, I, I, I did try and get one of them to, to insert one in your body and they refused. He said, we'll put it down the back of your pants, but we're not going to insert one. I was like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, I think we'd have been done for indeed exposure with that one. <laughs> I mean, this, I, I, with these podcasts, folks, we, we, we're literally going to tell you every drop that we can tell you. There are certain things that went on at Walkabout that we can't ever tell you about. Because some it was so improvised that I didn't tell anyone in a recorded environment with cancel culture, we're not going to do it. So yeah, yeah, they were uh, questionable yeah. times. Yeah, if you were if you were there, folks, walkabout it no longer exists in Hanley. So uh, if you were there, you know exactly what we're talking about. But we're not going to repeat it in a recorded environment. <gasps> not at <laughs> not at. Yeah, not at this exact show. I don't know if don't know if it would have been one of the ones after or somewhere 2017. Chris made a fatal mistake at Walkabout. Would you like to tell the boys and girls what what you did? I uh, I I nodded off and fell asleep during. It was I think it was Royal Rumble. Yep, yeah, so it must have been t- um, January 2017. That would probably fit in with the with the time scale. Yeah. And yeah, I, uh, I'd, I'd done all day at work and then come to you guys to do this pre-show and yeah, proceeded to nod off. <laughs> now, there's a beautiful, no, there's a beautiful moment. We're all watching the big projector screens. I've got my back to Chris and we're watching the Royal Rumble and it was fairly early on because because it was how loud it used to get in there during the Rumbles. That would have woke you up. So remember watching the match Someone tapped me on my shoulder, I looked round, and I see Chris slumped in a bit of a fetal position, but wide open. We could get him very, very well from three different angles. I thought, this is, this is beautiful. We can't let this go. So in a, in a beautiful moment of solidarity, I waved at everyone, went, fucking shush. And, and all, all of our table, all of our people sat around us, looked at you, and went, Pin drop quiet. But don't fucking move. Be very fucking quiet. We want to see what we can do. We're going to play. 
Chris Buckaroo. So we start loading Chris up with a few little bits, thinking, Luke, he's going to wake up. We'll get a cheap laugh out of this. But realistically, he's going to wake up. So we put a couple of shot glasses on him and nothing. Hmm. So we start putting some of the walkabout plunder, like the sunglasses. Um, I remember there being like inflatable bananas, inflatable hats. Yeah, there's no all this, yeah, all this sort of stuff. Placing it precariously on him. And Chris doesn't have a lot of body space. Chris is quite a slender chap, you know. He's he's not, you know, he's he's not a big guy. So we had to be very um say very precarious about what we put on him and where. And for okay, he's gonna wake up, he's gonna wake up. And nothing. We're piling this fucking stuff on him to the point that we're looking at each other thinking, is he mugging us off? Is he pretend? Is he playing possum? Is he pretending to be asleep? And the really the jokes on us because he's just going to go bah! and all this stuff is going to come crashing down when it hurts inside. We we don't know, but he didn't. He just didn't wake up. He was in such a deep sleep that we just carried on piling all this stuff on. And there's a beautiful picture, folks, of this with Chris with all this plundered on him, just absolutely everything. And we just kind of like left him for a little bit. It was beautiful. We'd run out of stuff that we could do to the point that we'd gone, well, kind of a bit bored. Should we just carry on watching the show again? Yeah, fuck <laughs> it. Uh, great days. Yeah. I, I, I miss walkabout Hanley. I mean, I don't miss the poo on the floor in, in the toilets that they didn't clean up over months. But I kind of yeah. missed it. Yeah, we had some uh, fun nights. Uh, the, the said photo has got a great comment from one of my mates on there. And he basically put, Christ, you've been supermarket swept because you're not inflatables that are on me. <laughs> it's like that is probably <laughs> the best phrase for it. Yeah, there's just that many yeah. inflatables on me. It's like I've been through supermarket sweep. Amazing. Amazing. So that, yeah, so that would have been early 2017. Now, obviously, I know this is going to hit a, a bit of a sort of raw nerve. Not necessarily raw nerve. But I know this 2017 was a bit of an emotional year for yourself because I know you're going through so so much and i had to kind of take over um dj duties for, for a couple of these shows and you were there for a couple of the silver Bell ones but i think the show in mainly the show it shows in nutton that you missed out on i think you might have done one or two in silverdale but yeah the mainly and the not the Nutton shows you you didn't do can you tell us like, like what was it you were going through at that point that made you miss those uh, it was it was a purely mental health mate. Like that year, I don't know what happened. I think I was finishing uni, and like my third year of uni, I basically went had a breakdown and was like, yeah, I don't want to do anything. Like I don't enjoy doing pedo for you at the moment. I don't want to be there and not enjoy it and sort of bring it down. Um, yeah, I was basically just spent my entire time either at uni doing uni work or working, and just not just sort of existing at that point it wasn't really like enjoying life um yeah. and it all came to a head the year later uh but yeah well, it wasn't a, a fun time for me but <laughs> it's uh it is what it is like i'm still here now i powered through like guys if you're out there like talk about what goes on wrong in your life like talk to each other um, yeah there's no there's no fucking stigma with mental health like it's, it's just something that we all deal with at time to time um, yeah uh, I do want to do want to give a massive shout out to there's a guy that's absolutely just jumped into my absolute heroes book. It's uh, Paddy the Baddy, UFC fighter, uh, 
Uh, I've got a lot of love for Liverpool anyway, because obviously, you know, Missy's from Liverpool. And all jokes aside, she's she's the best. So I've got a lot of love for Liverpool. And Paddy is, I think I've, yeah, people would have seen, because there's been murals painted of him saying this stuff, just saying, guys, talk, open up. Like, yeah, I'd much rather you cry on my shoulder than uh, have to, to speak at your funeral kind of thing. Um, and obviously, obviously this is 2017, long before people... I mean, we were still not opening up and talking all that much, but we were a long way from what we were like in 2017. Um, yeah. But yeah, just a yeah, massive, massive shout out to, to Paddy for that one. Bit, one of my heroes. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Guys, if you're listening to this, um, just I, my DM's always open. My phone's never off. Same with Chris. Same with any of the person for you staff. Any of the person for you wrestlers. We've got such a good team. Even if you don't necessarily know them, where you feel like you could connect to that person, get in contact. We'll never knock you back. So, yeah. yeah. exactly. Like, the world's a better uh, place if you win it. Absolutely, absolutely. So, we power through. We've lots of walk about shenanigans again. Folks, I would love to tell you some of the crap we said and got away with at walkabouts, but in cancel culture... We can't tell these stories. There was some hilarious bits where we, we had um, promo classes. This is one thing that, like, Kim, when Kim was running the year, the Walkabout shows me, I said, I want, I want to get people up on stage to cut promos against the owners of Walkabout. And she was like, don't fucking do that. It'll go wrong. And it was one of the best things we ever did. We had people coming up saying, my name's The Rimmer. And I'm going to not only beat you, I'm going to rim you into submission and all this weird, weird stuff. But that's tame in comparison to some of the stuff we got away with at Walkabout Hanley. But yeah, big shout out to Walkabout Hanley. You're no longer there, but we had some great, great times with you. So uh, uh, we've got got to talk about the one, the only Chrissy Steele. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) so... We had a show coming up. We we'd lost one of uh, one of our good friends, Kim Roxy's brother, the original person for you, DJ, Mr. Joshy Brown. Um, he'd had a big battle of brain tumors, brain cancer. He fought off one. He came back, started rebuilding his life. Then, unfortunately, it took him earlier uh, in the year 2019. Ironically, on Steak and Blowjob Day, and if you know Josh, you know just how ironic and funny that is. That it happened to be on that day. So 5th of July, 2019, Press Infused Method to Our Madness, we're having the very first ever Joshy Brown Memorial Battle Royal. Now, did we approach you about you getting the Rumble, or did you approach us? Uh, I had a mate who said he would pay £200, and he, Liam, if you ever listen to this, you still owe that money. Um, he, he, he still owes the money? Yeah. He, he quickly... Tr- he quickly shut his mouth after he found out I'd got in the ring. We are chasing him for that. 200 quid to, <laughs> to, to what was it, the, the brain tumour trust. We, we are getting yeah. that money. He, uh, he said he paid 200 pounds to see me get beaten in the ring. I'm like, <laughs> right, okay, I'll, uh, I'll text Phil now. And you text back, yes, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> and I went, and how, how, early, how early was that, do you reckon? Like, are we talking months before this, weeks before this? Yeah, it was months. Because um, you said you have to do some training first. So I got in touch with uh, Andy, uh, Jack, and 
Ben. To train yeah, a yeah, the three guys have eight wall, and obviously the two guys have uh, act two. Or if if you are you know, Daniel Terry, take two. Yeah, we're not we're not angry, Dan. We're just disappointed. Same with Anna, actually. Anna didn't correct him. Shame on you, Anna. <laughs> um, in Kim's but, in Kim's absence, he just does the one job thing, doesn't he? He just can't get. He it. does. He does. Little, little side note, by the way, I I trained with Anna last week. She came up to the gym that I work at. We trained. She doesn't listen to these podcasts back, which again, shame on you, Anna. She didn't know that we'd talked about an Anna kink during the show. And I told her, she was like, oh, oh shit. Oh. <laughs> moving on, moving on. Thank God this is not a PG podcast. We couldn't do this as a PG podcast. No, it's but, the one uh, part of the review that is adults only, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, the after-show parties. Yeah. Which, which, I, am gonna, I, was, yes, yeah, which I am going to talk about. So you, post, you, you text me for, yeah, a few months before, um, and we'd kind of already said that we we're going to do a Battle Royale anyway. Now, but if Battle Royales and Rumbles, they're as safe as it's possible to be, because you've got a lot of people, so not many people doing a lot of moves. It's more punchy than you get chucked over the top rope. I like for me, I wouldn't have felt. I'd, I'd have felt horrible if anything would have happened to you because you're what nine, ten stone. About ten stone, give or take. Yeah, I, yeah, I, was, I was about nine um, stone at the time. Oh, fuck it, making me feel even worse. But not done any wrestling training. Not not really a gym goer or anything like that. And as funny as it would be for me, I genuinely don't like seeing people injured. I that's why I don't like MMA. I don't like hardcore wrestling. I genuinely don't like seeing people injured. I want us all to go home happy, healthy, injury free. So you were so up for it, and it was going to be for such a good cause. I, I felt like really torn because I didn't want to see you injured, but I I thought we've got to do this for Josh. It, it pays such a marvelous tribute that we need to script it in a way that we can get you in and out relatively injury-free and at least we can then collect the money, which obviously you've now said that obviously we've not collected that money yet, so we will be chasing yeah. that guy off. Um, but yeah, you know I me, mean? like I, I felt really... I don't, I, don't, I don't show my emotions all that much. Sometimes, you know, I'm a guy. Sometimes I hold that shit back. But yeah, I was really precarious and really wanted to make sure that the guys that you train with trained you up as quick as they could, as much as they could to you know, give you as much a benefit of, yeah, you might just be taking a couple of moves and being chucked out. But if you get chucked out wrong, you're going to snag your head on the bottom rope, so on and so forth. So can you give us a bit of an insight into how much training you did, uh, the stuff that they ran you through, any things that you thought, oh, okay, I never would have thought that would have hurt, or vice versa? Um, I only did two hours training because of like how short it was before the match ended up like being confirmed and like with worker schedules and whatnot. Um, but they basically they ran me through like how to how to take a bump properly and how to land properly. Uh, that was the most valuable thing they could have taught me. Um, yeah. And then how to take the move, so like taking a spear and doing it and landing properly and making sure you you sort of roll through it. Um, yeah. A body slam and what was the other one? 
there was another move. I forgot what it was. It's it didn't end up being needed. So it's sort of the recess of my mind. Uh, but yeah, they, they were so so good to learn from. They, they were still everyone knows in wrestling. You're always training. You're always learning more. But these guys took me in straight away and like, yeah, okay, this is what you need to do. This is what you're doing. In terms of pain, like what hurt the most was I just doing bumps on the mat. My head was throbbing for a good three or four hours after because it was just I hadn't first few I didn't didn't do properly. Besides that, everything else was fine. Like a spear looks painful, and if you do it wrong, it, it will be painful. But done properly, it's like a little struggle cuddle. So we're good. I'm going to have to ask the name and the gear because if if people were there on the night, because I was watching uh, that from the back of the room. That was my my own little uh, happy moment, just watching that unfold and enjoying it because those people, it loads to your friends and uh, was it your your mum? Yeah, my mum and dad were there. Um, yeah, yeah, um, loads of all, mates yeah. and whatnot. All these people the, at the, the back of the room, a big Chrissy Steele contingent. So I was just happy just being around all these people that had never been to a show before, but were there for you, which is cool, and they were just seeing you react. It was great. It was fantastic. Yeah, um, it was something I never thought I'd do, and I, I strangely enjoyed it. I, I totally get why guys and girls wrestle. It's it's it is really it's really fun. Um, you won't get me doing it pr- professionally or permanently. I'll do the odd spot here and there when needed, but I loved it. Really did. Um, in terms of the name, uh, the name is my old roadie name when I rode for a glam metal band. So if anything went wrong on stage, I'd be there in my glam gear with my spandex and my big hair. I'd be like, oh, here's Chrissy Steele, like, to help us out. So I just recycled that and pretty much the same with the spandex, just dug them out of uh, out the wardrobe. I mean, because you do come out, you come out, you come through the curtain with the world's biggest, like, Cheshire cat grin on your face. And it, it was <laughs> one of those moments where you can't fake that. You know your adrenaline is going 10 to the dozen. You never thought you'd do this. You get a big pop from the crowd because obviously you've got you, all your friends, your family, your missus. We're achieving you on like absolute crazy. Like that must have felt pretty bloody good. Yeah, I was on cloud nine, mate, but like my heart was in my throat at the same time. Yeah. I'm, I'm, as you've seen, I'm a roadie. I'm not someone who likes being on stage. I'd rather be behind it. Um, I just do it if I have to or if, I'm, if the needs must sort of thing. But yeah. I, I really did enjoy it. I really thoroughly wholeheartedly would recommend everyone tries wrestling, wrestling training to see what it goes like. I mean, there's, there's almost, at the start of the, that battle royale, there's almost something that kind of derails. Do you know the bit I mean? Uh, two people forgot that what you'd set up. Yeah. Like, we, we glitched before we came out the curtain. We just said, like, right, this, this is the spot. I've got to go out first because I've had two hours training. Um, and it got quickly mistaken uh, and forgotten quite quickly by these two individuals. Uh, we we um, can say them. It was Harley Harris and uh, Luna Rock. So like everyone's kind of forming it almost like a semicircle. And so that it's obvious that it's uh, it's Chris and it's Grod who's going to give him the spear, and everyone's waiting to get that bit out of the way and then Grod's going to get chucked out by I think maybe Dominita 
yeah. and then the, the the match goes into yeah, everyone you know, manic and everyone starts chucking everyone blah blah blah. Now bell rings. And I think it's Luna Rocks just dives at Harley Harris. Harley's got no <laughs> idea what she's going to do. And they're kind of faces, what are you doing? She hits <laughs> it, but pulls the punch at the very last second. So it just looks like she's going, ah! Boop. But like <laughs> yeah. a very, and then she just doesn't react, doesn't sell it. And then they just kind of look both awkwardly at each other. And then they just back off and let you do your thing. And it's just one of those moments you're like, oh, if, like, if, um, what's that TV show called? Uh, It'll be all right on the night. If that was still on, that would have been a beautiful, would have been a beautiful Botchamania moment. Let's let's call it yeah. that. You were. Um, ruined the match, really, for me. That was the only, it didn't even ruin it. It was just like, oh, I definitely yeah. told everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but so you were, uh, you, you give Grod a bit of a, did he give you a shove? You give him a big shove. You we, kind uh, of we, we square up, and he uh, he says something like, "Have you even been to the gym?" <laughs> so I'm trying not to laugh at that. And he goes, and he, he says like, "That's the cue to sort of shove him." Yeah. So I shove him, turn around, did the whole like Daniel Bryan sort of yes, 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 sort of chance. Um, and the plan was that like my arms would still be in the air as I turn around. I turned around, didn't realise Grod was as armed and ready to go as he was, and just I, I took the spear wrong. Like despite training, um, I was meant to land as you, as people who take bumps know. You're meant to land like on your shoulder blades and just pad out. I went with my lower back, and I could feel my stomach move from where it usually is meant to be to my throat. <laughs> And before I knew what was happening, Grod had picked me up by my head, just <laughs> like I was, like I was a doll. Like I, I shouldn't have been anywhere near that bloke. Like <laughs> just picks me up and goes, "Right, mate, you're off, done," and throws me over the over the top rope. It gives uh, you a little, gives you a little kick on route, I do believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, I was just I was enjoying it all so much that I couldn't keep a poker face. I was just like grinning from ear to ear the entire time, and it shows on the photos. Yep. Uh, obviously, I'm at the back of the room, and then you've kind of clued me into, oh, these are my friends, and this guy like named Johnson, who's obviously got to know a little bit on. These are my parents, and I was like, oh, okay, boom, 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 boom. okay, I'll keep an eye on them, just see how they react. And I think it was your mum. I've, I've committed your mum to memory for some reason. She was like, oh, sucked the air out the room. I mean, I remember hearing Johnson go, is that it? <laughs> But yeah, yeah. I remember seeing the, the look on your mum's face of just like, oh my god, my, li- my little boy. Oh. Yeah. And obviously, the, the action kicks in in the background, and yeah, yeah, things start going. Now, did you walk to the back of the room at that point? You didn't go in in the back, or I I went to the back curtain to go back backstage. Went outside. I'm literally holding my stomach, trying to figure out where it had gone. Um, <laughs> I walk around the front of the venue because I'm still in full like get full gear but i've still got to do my djing job at the same time um because natalie wasn't fully trained on the desk yeah so i'm like i try and run back around i sneak back into the door sneak my way around and natalie comes up to me the, as soon as i walk in she goes you go see your mum now and you tell her what you're doing is selling that injury i know you're fucking hurt you idiot but <laughs> tell your mum it's, it's all a fake for the crowd i was like okay 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 and walk over I was like mom I'm fine don't worry and my mum's like are you sure? Are you sure? I thought you. I thought he'd really hurt you because I was going to go up and smack him myself. 
I was like, Mum, it's fine. It's all, I've got to sell it for the crowd, otherwise it looks fake. And uh, as soon as she left after that match, I uh, sat there and just went, oh, my stomach. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a beautiful moment, because I, I genuinely didn't know you, you'd you uh, you'd got hurt at, 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 uh, during that match. Um, I assumed you were just selling it. And I, I remember looking at you and going, He's selling this for a bloody long time, which is a perfect <laughs> thing to do. A, a guy with no wrestling training, who's not wild belt, and the crowd know that. To keep on yeah. selling it makes perfect sense. So it's you know, it, it almost goes a bit method acting, which people this called method to our madness. I like there's a bit of irony there. I quite like that. I was yeah. like, you know what? Chrissy selling is bloody good. Now I know you weren't selling, you were just genuinely injured. But then yeah. you you know the bit I'm going to talk about. I know exactly what you're going to mention. Yeah. Fill, fill me some, so fill me some bits in. So we have one of the best main events I think we've ever had. That'll be on my Mount Rushmore. When I'm on my deathbed and they're saying, Phil, you've got an hour left. What do you want to watch? I will be watching that main event. Genuinely, yeah. that for me, one of the best main events we've ever produced. It was almost faultless, just absolutely perfect. So we have the big babyface win. It's Sugar Duncan Ritmo, who's just debuted the Silly Salmon and created himself a legend with, with that move. And uh, Ryan Lloyd versus the returning man of a thousand names, uh, Mark Lasek, formerly known as Jürgen, formerly known as Jürgen Heimlich, so on and so forth. Uh, Mark Morgan and Jewess Bond six man tag action there was no let up it was just boom 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 boom, boom for about 10, 12, 15 minutes the baby faces get the win now we planned the too cool dance for the end that only Sugar knew about because I wanted genuine reactions from Ryloid and from Ritmo because I didn't want them to know about it so Sugar got the glasses from Magic Mark's desk Puts them on them too. They do the two cool dance. Ritmo can genuinely dance and he does the worm with the glasses on and they don't come off. Ryloid, I love you, brud, but you can't dance for shit. I can't dance for shit, but you when there's that awkward dad at a wedding that's going to embarrass himself for dancing. That's Ryloid. No dancing skills whatsoever. They dance out into the crowd and it's one of the best feel good moments we've ever done at Pro Wrestling Future. Fucking brilliant. Cannot fault it. Now, I think the footage cuts off before we get to this point, but it's still in the raw footage, which I think is online on youtube.com for slash person view. Now, Chris has been selling beautifully for the best part of an hour, hour and a half. He moves, he picks up his drink. He's in agony no matter what he does. Anyone that comes up to him, Chris is selling. Beautiful. Now, camera catches Ryloid walking from the back of the room down to the front. He sticks his arm over Chris. Chris forgets completely any selling whatsoever. Damn near does the can-can and he's just <laughs> laughing his fucking head off. I've got my head in my hands going, oh strawny, strawny, strawny. <laughs> yeah, it, they, they continue to dance around the room and as I'm walking <laughs> I was talking to someone or doing something, like I forget what it was, but Rye puts his arm around me and goes, that was fucking cracking, mate, like, well done. And then just starts trying to dance with me. I was like, fuck it, I may as well just get in on it now. And yeah, just for a split second, I was like, I'll just dance with the pain. And 
I really, really wish I hadn't because the next morning it was still quite bad. Ah, amazing. I mean, and the uh, the story doesn't end there, folks. We ended up going out because it was a red hot day. It's a very emotional day. Uh, with we, the Joshy Brown Memorial Battle Royale. We had Sugar Dunkton, who's just a god amongst men, just an absolute living legend, an absolute gentleman. He stayed over and we said, you know what, we're, we're going to have an after show party at a pub here in town called The Jug. We had loads of us out, we had lots of shots. Chris remained in his gear. We did we did chops, which I still remain. It's just because I chopped Johnson in the nipple. It's still good. It's still good. It's just a little nipple. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Uh, Chris did one of the worst chops I've ever seen. It was it was, it was like a backhand yeah. with, with your knuckles. Like what are you doing? Dear yeah, God. I, I've not been I've not been trained as to chops, so you know I'll, I'll take that. Two hours training. I've learned how to take a spear. I'm not into jobs. No, that's, that's fair. But yeah, we, we wrap up the night. We, we're all very merry, drunk, great night, great show. I mean, probably one of my favourites all, all around shows. I mean, there's a couple of bits and pieces, like we mentioned with the Battle Royale. But you know what? That's now the stuff of legends that when I watch this match back, I, that's what I watch for because it's bloody hilarious. Just, yeah. What, what, what are you doing? Oh, yeah, okay. And they just walk off. Um, well, yeah, absolutely amazing. And speaking of amazing, I'm going to swing you rather subtly into the second game show segment, which I've been doing. It's not really a game show, but I've been doing this for a lot of people. It's called Stop, Start, Continue. So you're going to take that for whatever you want it to. And what I want from you, Chris, is a something in this business we need to stop, something in this business we need to start, and something in this business we need to continue. Oh. Okay. Ooh. I mean, I do, I, yeah, I do this with everyone so you can tell that Chris doesn't listen to the podcast back because he had no idea that this was coming up. So no, it's like, it's like, what do you pick for like stop? It's, it's a very small minority, and I will I will stress that so much. Just like you said earlier, people who treat the crew badly, like just there's guys that have turned up to the wrestling show, and they've literally walked up to me thirty seconds before stage uh, show starts, and gone, "What music have you been given for me? I don't like it. Can you change it now to this?" And I'm like, eh, "Not really, because I've got no internet connection here, and I've." Unless you've got the music on a USB drive, I can't really help you. Um, it's that sort of like, just sort of roll with it if you can. Um, yeah. Start. I'd like to see, because um, I, I, I may be very wrong here, but apart from the Barracks is not really a proper wrestling school around here, is it? No, not not really. I think the Barracks is on on hiatus at the minute. I, I don't know the ins and outs of that, folks. I could be wrong, I could be right. I I don't claim to know, but yeah, there's not really a wrestling school close. To, to, to I think there should be. Yeah, there should be one around here, considering the scene that we've got and the amount of wrestling fans and people that would like to do it. I've got a bunch of mates that said they'd love to train, learn how to wrestle. 
but there's just there's nowhere local. Yeah. So starting up a Peter with you wrestling school. I like it. And uh, last but not least, continue. So something that either you're very proud of that we do, or something as a business that you go, you know what, we do that better than any other kind of business. Something you want to see continue. I just want Peter with you to continue because I know I'm a bit biased that I've been with you for so long. And I don't know an awful lot about other shows on the UK circuit. But as I've said, like I wasn't a wrestling fan before I started coming to Speed Over You. And it, it does show the level of talent that we get through the doors. People that have been on our shows that have gone on to be NXT stars or have appeared on AEW or whatever. You could find your next favorite wrestler at one of the shows. So just long may it continue. Yeah, we do, absolutely. We do what we do and we do it well. Absolutely. We don't, we don't do it all that often, but quality over quantity, I, I, I like to think. Yeah. You don't want to oversaturate it. You don't want to lose it for it to lose its charm. Four shows a year is plenty. I know we do the double shows every now and, that, now and then, but that's <laughs> well, well within the realms of possibility. But just... Let's keep making people happy. I thought you could go down like a, a fucking Donald Trump. Let's let's make wrestling great again. Then I was like, oh fucking hell, this is this this is a weird tangent to go off on. No, like we we're not strong style and we're not um, like high flying or anything like that. It's it's we are predominantly gimmicky. I've noticed that. Well, that's how I describe it anyway with the shows that we do because the fans eat up the gimmicks. Silly salmon. Yeah. Um, Stuff like that just goes over so well. And you, you, it's the, the sheer enjoyment on the kids' faces when they watch something like that happen. It makes you proud to be a part of that, that you've brought a little joy into the world. Absolutely. As soppy as that sounds. No, no not at all. Now, I was going to wrap it up, but you've just you've just made like a question kind of pop up in my head. So you've been with me since 2013, and so we're coming up on 10, you know, 10 years next year. So what yeah. I want from you is I want your take myself and Kim out of the equation. So we're just talking just strictly talent based, not presuming that I would be on it. Let me just put that out there because I want that to sound like I'm being forgetting of anything. So strictly talent based for whatever reason, I want your Mount Rushmore of person few talent. Person few talent. Right. Okay. Uh, Got to put sugar on there straight away. Yep. Um, the guy oozes charisma and is probably yeah. one of the nicest guys on the planet. Um, Ritmo, purely for the silly salmon, like that guy is as over as you can be in pedo few terms. Um, Joshi, hands down. Yeah. Not in terms of like being a wrestler, but the guy did the job before me, so deserves a limit right in the world. Yep, and um, uh, and one more. Hmm. Keith. Yeah. He just he'll he'll never give it up. No matter how many times he says he's retiring. I don't believe a word he says when he says that. <laughs> funny funny little story for you. I got asked uh, two, three weeks ago, oh well, mate, look I'm I'm gonna be having Keith on one of my shows at some point. 
do you mind if I borrow some of your match graphics of, of Keith? I was like, mate, just use Keith's pictures from 20 years ago. He's not changed. He's exactly the same in the same gear, same haircuts, therefore none. Um, <laughs> like your pictures from 20 years ago were my pictures from last month. They're exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. There must be like a portrait of Keith in his loft. It looks like a Dorian Gray-esque sort of thing because he hasn't yeah. aged a day in the past 20 years. There must be a portrait that looks like all this shit in his loft. There's, there's a, have you seen a, um, a Russell Brand film called Get Him to the Greek? Yes. He's, there's, a, there's a quote from P. Diddy, Buff Daddy, whatever, what was Sean Coombs, whatever, whatever, whatever his name is going under. He's saying, uh, like, old British rock stars ne- you know, never die. Like, Ozzy Osbourne will outlive Miley Cyrus. That's what I feel about Keith Myatt. Keith will yeah. outlive all of us. Yeah, hands down. When, when nuclear holocaust happens and there's just locusts, uh, Ozzy Osbourne, Keith will still be wrestling. He'll just be taking on giant, giant creatures that have mutated. Maybe, maybe him and Ozzy in a tag team. That'll be pretty bloody cool. <laughs> he did used to come out to it paranoid, so you know. That, that is very true. I think, you know what, I, I've, I've got off on a weird tangent. We have, I know we have had Jesse, I want to get Jesse divide on one of these podcasts at one point, because I think... Yeah. They don't know how much the wrestlers loved when they used to when they would play the Holy Trinity and they'd come out to you know, Sexy Kev came out to Etta James, Keith came out to yeah. you know, Black Sabbath and ACDC and Babyface Pitbull and they came out to to Motorhead. They them three guys have no idea how much the wrestlers just absolutely love that because no one does that, no one ever does no. that. But we did that for them and. That'll, that'll, st- that'll stay with him for the rest of time. So, yeah. So, if we do get Je- Jesse's on a pod, do you want to jump on with us? Because I think you're, course, integral, you're integral to their story. So, I think it's, it's only right. Yeah, definitely. Um, Count me in. Fantastic. Mate, can I say, this has been absolutely fantastic. Because, as far as I'm concerned, mate, you're, I never tell people you're coming to work for me, a person for you. I always say you're coming to work with me and whenever people say it's oh it's phil's promotion i instinctively say don't say that it's not my promotion it's me it's katie it's chris it's nat it's dan it's kim it's it's like i know it sounds cliche but it is it's a team effort you know there have been moments where i've had to jump in and uh do your djing job i wouldn't want to do it forever because you're infinitely better at that than me same with dan with announcing and obviously kim with announcing and things like that but person for you is our promotion yeah it might be my my name above the door but it's still mine it's still yours it's still dan's like it's it's ours you know so i i couldn't do this without you um, i wouldn't want to do this without you so uh, <laughs> please stick with person for you for as uh, as long as we can continue to do it for because even if, even though I know you've done more photo, um, autographs than me, you might be an unsung <laughs> hero. You might not get the credit you deserve. You're at the back of the room. Everyone else is facing away from you. But you create magic, and we know how much you're worth and how much everyone values what you do. So even if they never say it, mate, thank you so much. Oh, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> thank you, mate. I want tears, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's it's a pleasure. It really is. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't not be part of the team. 
Um, as long as I haven't got to do any ring announcing, because I, I do mumble and talk a lot of shit. Um, but if you want me to get in the ring again for a charity spot, I, I don't mind. Like, that's I mean, the, that's the, the extent of which I'll do it. Yeah, there, there will always be bits and pieces coming up, and uh, we'll, we'll get you a cider later on, as if that's what I mean. If you know, you know. People who <laughs> listen to this won't have a fucking clue, but we know, and yeah, obviously when Katie listens know. to this, uh, yeah. So keep your eyes peeled, folks, because uh, your friendly neighbourhood barman might be winging his way. But I, can't, I can't give any more crap puns. <laughs> <laughs> ah. I've, I've done it I've puns I'm done uh, we'll, we're just going to end it there because I'm just going to fucking ruin it but yeah keep your eyes peeled folks because uh, you ne- you never know you might pop up on the web you might pop up really? here there you know thank you <laughs> yeah. so guys this has been episode 43 of Snap Crackle and Cheap Hops I've been forward man he's been Chrissy Steel Money Penny uh, bottle Croft, what other name that we give him on the, the me, Dan, and Chris show? He's, he's a living legend that he is, Mr. Chrissy Strawn. Thank you very much for listening. Good night. Thanks for listening. Check out Pro Wrestling for You on all social media platforms and stream our back catalogue of shows over at pw4uondemand.co.uk.